Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Fans Talk Pro Wrestling Podcast. As always, I am your host with the most and the Hall of French Toast, Freddie Carlson, and I am here with my good friend, Angelo. Say hello to the people, Angelo. Hello, hello. Welcome back. Yes, we apologize for the delay in the, since the last episode. Some things have come up, but we are here, we are ready to go, and we have a very good discussion topic to talk about here this here in this episode. We will be, we will be discussing the current state of tag team wrestling in the professional wrestling world, in particular amongst the three or four major wrestling promotions in the world, WWE, AEW, New Japan Pro Wrestling, and Impact Wrestling. Uh, so yeah, there's a lot of different things that you could say. And I just want to right off the bat say I love how AEW has prioritized tag team wrestling to a length that we have never seen before. No, I definitely agree with that because they're literally trying to make that their main... I feel like they're making that their main focus is tag team wrestling more than anything else. More than the women's, more than the single stars. They're trying to, I guess... Base everything off of tag team wrestling, which is pretty cool. Absolutely. We are, uh, at the time of recording, less than a week removed from AEW's tag team uh, uh, tag team appreciation night episode of Dynamite that they had um, here uh, just recently. Um, and, you know, to go back to what you just said, AEW has done a lot of good things, a lot of things they've done right. There's been some things they've done wrong. I still don't believe they know how to book a women's division. Because Lord knows that they have struggled with with the women's division that they currently have. Um, And there's nothing wrong with having a struggling division within your company. But it's, you know, know, I feel like this uh, this comparison will make more sense when we delve into more of the the WWE uh, tag team division. But AEW's women's division is kind of portrayed the same way as WWE's tag team division. Like the most underthought and least cared about portion of their roster and of their show on a week-to-week basis you know you're always going to see tag team wrestling featured on AEW TV and of course the men's singles divisions and tag divisions uh, are, you know all those are going to be fairly represented but um, the women's division is not whereas if you're in WWE yeah you might find a bunch of meaningless tag team matches but you're not going to find meaningful tag team storylines and that's just a sad side effect of the current way WWE does things, and that's kind of transitioning a little bit over to them. They do so poorly with booking their tag team division, and I know Vince McMahon's not a big fan of it, but, man, there's just some great teams, and they waste them. No, exactly. Like, I remember, this is, like, the reason why we actually decided this as our topic was because of a conversation that we had on the, uh, the other night when we were texting about, like, certain makeshift tag teams and, you know, stuff like that, and how we saw them and their ability to be a complete team. Yeah. But they were just underutilized, and in my eyes, I feel like they were underappreciated and not given a chance. Oh, for sure. And, you know, when it comes to the the concept of of makeshift thrown-together teams, it's definitely something that I am very hit or miss with. I... So it's not to say that a makeshift team can't be a success, but and, and get over and be a good you know all that stuff. But what it is for me is just there's some ones that are put together for no reason, and I absolutely can't stand them. You know, for example, uh, 
You know, I hate the way that they put together a team like Jason Jordan and Seth Rollins, for example. You know, former Raw Tag Team Championship duo, which I just don't understand how. And it was only because Ambrose got hurt. You know, if Ambrose didn't get hurt, I mean, if 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 they regain the tag team titles, fine. I mean, they're an established team. They've been champions before, and obviously they have history with the Shield. But if you're talking Seth Rollins and Jason Jordan... And I mean, that's a whole separate issue with the Jason Jordan as Kurt Angle's son storyline. That's a separate topic for another day. I just, you know, a, it's it's a bad example of a makeshift team. Whereas a good example of a makeshift team that ends up becoming great is like Sheamus and Cesaro, who were thrown together for circumstance and no more, and yet became a de- a a featured and successful and very good tag team within the WWE's ranks and had some great matches and this and that and you know there's a difference and the fact that WWE finds it more comical to put teams like that together and be something that's good just doesn't make sense to me no not at all and the whole thing with the bar is they've held how many tag team championships together so the bar were five, the- uh, six uh, they were Five or six. Five or six. Five or six. And I think, I think it was. Uh, I think it was five. I think four Raw tag team titles and one SmackDown tag team title, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. No. So I mean, I remember like after they had their whole singles feud, whatever. Mick Foley kind of like forced them to be a team. Yeah. And like, as time went on, like you just see the chemistry going on between both men. Oh yeah. So it yeah. was. Oh, it was just, cool. for me, it was it was something different. It was a breath of fresh air. It was actually, like, really cool. Oh, and then now sure. that, you know, they're broken up, like, it's it's weird. Well, yeah, if you actually go back to my episode of, of the podcast where I recorded my fantasy booking of Cesaro's career, I kept the entirety of what happened between those two as it was. I think that at the point in their careers that they were both at, that was the perfect step for them. Because... Let's be honest. Sheamus was at a point where he had fizzled out of his run as a single star, you know, the world championship run, you know, of late 2015 when he cashed in Money in the Bank. He, you know, he had been he had meddled around in the mid card and hadn't done much, and he gets drafted to Smack or sorry, drafted to Raw, and he wasn't amounting to anything. So I think it was perfect. And the same goes for Cesaro, but for a different reason. He was a guy who had such an upside still that he could have accomplished and gotten to in his time in WWE. But they were not giving him that that platform. They were not giving him the ability to rise to that level. And so what's the best thing to do? Put them together see what happens. When you make a makeshift team like that, it's what it's okay to me. But what doesn't make sense to me is when you make a makeshift team for the sake of, oh, we're going to have a random team win the tag team championships tonight. Like I said, a Seth Rollins and a Jason Jordan. Or a, a Seth Rollins and a Braun Strowman. They really love doing that with Seth Rollins. You know, those are just two particular examples that I can think of from recent memory. And, I mean, we can go back in time, and there's so many examples over the years of it happening. And while I understand that it's a thing that does happen, it's just, uh, I don't know. I mean, because, like, a a team that I look at that was a very successful makeshift team, other than the bar, because the bar is a recent example, to go back in time, is definitely Miz and Morrison. When Miz and Morrison were put together, they were two guys who had been fledgling around as single stars, especially Miz. I mean, let's be honest. If Miz didn't succeed here, he would have been released within a year. But they put him together with Morrison after Morrison's, uh, cha- you know, he lost the ECW title and he was kind of now, he was now a singles guy. He's 
what's he going to do? He's already had that run in ECW, so they put him in. It was just a makeshift thing to face Matt Hardy and MVP. And, you know, the unfortunate situation is that, you know, he, you know, the team, the team had to have its limit. And, but, but the good thing, you know, in, you know, the good, taking good from the bad is that it, gave both of them a a propelment, a a propelment, I don't know if that's the right word, it propelled them into a more prosperous situation type of a thing, because they both had successful singles careers after that because of the team, same with Sheamus and Cesaro, albeit maybe not to the same extent thus far since their breakup, and it was the breakup only became because of Sheamus' back injury, if Sheamus didn't have to miss all that time because of his back, presumably they would have stayed together. And had a, some at some point would have had to split up for a different reason, but anyway. So kind of circling back around to the concept of how WWE does it, we can both agree that makeshift teams have their place, but only in very specific circumstances. I think that's something we can agree on. No. Yeah. No. Definitely. Without a doubt. So. It's just. Oh okay, yeah. Go no. Go ahead. No, I was gonna say it's just like the way that they. I don't want to say the way that they book them, but it should be the way that they. I guess should plan in advance for them if they if they want to have yeah. something set in stone. Like I think WWE loves to do this thing where it's just like, all right, we're gonna do this tonight. Completely makes no sense in the sense of what you're building around it in the grand scheme of things. Yet you're still gonna sit here and you're still gonna tell me that Seth Rollins. I just cannot get past Seth Rollins and Jason Jordan. <laughs> that was one of the worst months in the tag history of the tag team titles in my opinion and that's just me don't get me wrong there may have been people who have who had enjoyed it and all things considered it wasn't bad but it wasn't good i mean hell when they lost the titles jason's injury and this is not a funny thing at all but jason's injury he couldn't even compete in the match so it's like all right well uh seth's gonna have two matches at the royal rumble he's gonna wrestle the tag title match alone He's defending the tag titles who has a partner he shouldn't even have. And I'm so glad that after his injury, they did the right thing with Seth and they put him back into singles competition where he belonged again after being in the tag team division for over six months. Now, I get it. It was the slow cool to his character after his stuff with Triple H. You know, had him come back down, work the mid card, and then he had that meteoric rise back to the top in 2018 into 19. But, I, you know... The concept of that just doesn't make sense to me. Another thing, and Angela, like you said, we had this conversation, uh, you know, some time ago, which stemmed the idea for this discussion. Another example of WWE randomly making a team tag team champions that goes completely against the current storyline: WrestleMania 23, John Cena and Shawn Michaels main evented WrestleMania. Now, don't get me wrong; that was one of my favorite WrestleMania matches ever. That was the night that Cena proved he can hang in the ring with the best wrestlers in the world. That was the first time he really proved it in his main in his main his main event run. I mean, he had some highlights here and there, but that was when he proved that he can stay and he will hang and he will always hang with them. But after that, it was kind of like, all right, they're also the tag team champions, so this doesn't make sense. How are the tag team champions? 
going to face off in the main event of WrestleMania. And then the next night on Raw, they're supposed to defend the titles together. Now, I get it. It furthered the story. I get it. They, you know, Sean ended up costing him the titles. All that stuff. Whatever. Fine. I, I it just, I, I mean, I don't get it. How, and then, and then it also takes the World Tag Team Championships off of WrestleMania. There's no tag yes. title match. Talk about devaluing your titles. They're the afterthought because of that. Yeah, no, it was that. That was definitely a crazy, uh, crazy mania. I mean, when you when you were gonna say like a mania match about like tag titles, I thought you were gonna bring up Strowman and Nicholas versus the Bar. Oh, don't even get. <laughs> so yes. <laughs> WWE. I know I shouldn't have re- gone there, but I, they I have they reached a new low, an absolute new low when they did that. As God is my witness, I remember sitting there and watching this thing live on pay per view or on the network, and thinking to myself, "This sucks." Now, don't get me wrong, Mania Thirty Four had some highlights. I did like. The, the, the triple threat with Balor, Miz, and Rollins. I did like the Rousey and, and, and Angle versus Triple H and, and Stephanie McMahon match. But the the real low... And that was the WrestleMania that had AJ Styles and, and Shinsuke Nakamura facing each other. I mean, yes. the match sucked. But that's another topic for another day. Again, the concept of the te- of the raw tag team championships and this dominant team you've established over the last 2 years in the bar losing to a 10-year-old child who is not a he's the son of a referee what, what uh, as you can tell if you're listening to this right now I am not a fan of either of those instances and ironically enough both the Seth Rollins Jason Jordan incident and the Nicholas incident took place within four months of each other. Christmas Day 2017, Seth and Jordan won the titles. They lost it at the Royal Rumble in January a month later because of Jordan's neck injury. And what happened after that? The Bar won the titles back, held them through WrestleMania, lost them to Strowman and Nicholas. And then the titles were relinquished. And so let's t- let's actually take a look at the recent history of the Raw Tag Team Championships. Now, I'm not going to lie. I do like the Street Profits as champions, and I do think and as the current champions at the time of recording, I like them as the champions. They've had a good reign. Maybe a couple of things that I would have done differently, but they've had a good reign. So let's go back in time to recent reigns, shall we? Before them was Seth Rollins and Murphy. All right. You know what? The discipleship was in its early year, in its early stages, but it was nice. It was it was interesting. Whatever. And and uh, then we go and look at um, the Viking Raiders, whose reign really shouldn't have been ended as soon as it was. Because, again, that's a team who should have dominated. Look at what they did in NXT. They were there not even a year, and they dominated that tag team division. Absolutely oh, yeah, no. dominated. They're coming over from Ring of Honor and just, like, so obliterating nice. the whole division. It was I crazy. remember... Um, what was the match that they had? It was against Alistair Black and Ricochet. It was, again, yep. a random team put together because of the Dusty Cup, but I absolutely loved that match. And it was their last match in NXT. All, the last match in NXT for all four men, actually, as they all came to the main roster thereafter. And, you know, that's where, that's where NXT superstars go to die, apparently. You know, so it's 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 a... 
All right, so yeah, there's the Viking Raiders, and they before that I believe the uh, the Revival were the champions. Um, the Revival were an underutilized team in WWE. Now, don't get me wrong; they're not the most flat, you know, flamboyant team. They're not. I love FTR slash the Revival. You know, they're now known as FTR and AEW. I love them, but I do think, I do think that their reigns in WWE, for all intents and purposes, were garbage. Just hot garbage. They didn't have one main roster tag team championship match that I can pinpoint and say, that's a flagship match. Now, if you talk about NXT, fantastic. I can list on you know off the top of my head at least three or four matches that I would tell you to go check out. But there's probably not one main roster match of theirs that I, had, I would have to say, oh yeah, you definitely have to check this match out. So, you know, that's, the, that's, that's to say that. And then, you know, Hawkins and Ryder before them, I liked their, I liked them winning the titles when they did. Angelo and I were there the night they won the titles. I thought that was the right decision that night. Oh, that was, especially in like their, well, yeah, in, in like their home state, hometown. Oh, yeah, I don't they know had what home would be considered for them, but, yeah. you know, just especially the crowd that night with them winning the titles, that's how you know that they came a long way. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I remember the pop when they won. I mean, that, that was on the kickoff show, you know, on the same kickoff show where another hometown person, uh, Tony Nese, won the Cruiserweight Championship from Buddy Murphy. Yes. Um, and, you know, it was just, it was a really solid, solid moment. The rain, garbage, you know, they didn't do anything of importance after that, let's be honest. But they did enough. Uh, and then going back before that, the revival had it again. Before that, um, I'm struggling. AOP, I think, had it before. A, yeah, the AOP. There was there was a, there was an in between. Oh, oh uh, Gable and Rude. Gable and Rude, who had won it from AOP. AOP had won it from Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose, but it was really just Seth Rollins because Ambrose had turned heel. And that before that, it was the uh, oh god, I I want to say the bar. Was it the bar? It might have been. May have been the bar. No, it was Ziggler and McIntyre. Ziggler and McIntyre had won the titles from the B team. I mean, don't get me wrong. I like Dallas and Axel, but that was just... That was too much. (laughs) And then before that, you had Matt Hardy and Bray Wyatt, the eaters, the deleters of worlds. Oh, mamma mia, that was just awful. I mean, can you pinpoint anything from that? Those two reigns, the, the the leaders of worlds and the oh man, can you speak of it, please? Uh, I mean, as a as a team, I would have thought maybe they would have done better, but clearly yeah, uh, such that didn't gimmicks, happen. Man, they had such good gimmicks. How does they that did. not work? No, their their gimmicks were on point, and then it's like, all right, well. What do we do with them now? They won the tag titles. What else is there to do? Oh, yeah. That was also at a point when the tag division was just at an all-time low. An all-time low. And, you know, it was fledgling for so long. I mean, the bar did their part to try and help it. The New Day have done so many things to attempt to make it great. And, you know, the New Day is the... The New Day has been the one exception through all this. The New Day and the Usos. Especially once the New Day went over to SmackDown in 2017. 
that was the one time that you, you know, so you're looking at, we're talking about only the Raw side of things. But look at the SmackDown side of things. They really put up some good stuff in the, in the, since the brand split in 2016. I mean, of course, the New Day and the, and the Usos being the, the creme de la creme of, of what we're talking about. And that feud really gave me hope for tag team wrestling between, I think it was between June and, and October. Those guys just kept going at it and beating the high yes. hell out of each other. You they know, had some bangers. I was there. So the funny thing is, so SummerSlam 2017, I was there. Uh, those two teams competed on the kickoff show, not on the main card. And outside of the main event of the show, which was the, the massive Fatal 4-Way with Strowman, Joe, Reigns, and, and Lesnar, that was the best match on the card. And it was on the kickoff yes. show. And I'm telling you, the fact that that was on the kickoff show was a robbery of a, of a thing. You know? But anyway, so we, we kind of recapped a lot of the tag team stuff. Let's look at the tag teams that WWE has had on their roster and f- refused to do anything with. And in my opinion, these teams... Are, are valuable assets to a successful tag team division if you were to operate with one. And unfortunately, WWE doesn't. I mean, Gallows and Anderson. Two-time tag team champions, but neither of their reigns had anything special. They never had anything good happen. They were always... They always felt like somebody's lackeys. They always felt like AJ's boys or Finn Balor's boys. And if they weren't with one of them, they were nowhere to be seen. That time they spent away from both of those guys was the worst possible time for them because they did nothing. They they spent a year on SmackDown, and I didn't even know they were there half the time. Um, of course, the Revival FTR is a very, very obvious choice. As we mentioned, their main roster run being just awful. Uh, the Ascension. Yep. The Ascension was oh, a yeah. team that came up from NXT. I almost forgot about them. <laughs> well, I mean, how could you really remember them? WWE has done so much to actively make you forget. I mean, they, they came up from NXT as, at the time, the most dominant NXT tag team champions there had ever been in their short history, but they were so good, and they got buried, and I still remember the night that their burial really kicked off was the night that they got beaten down by the New Age Outlaws, the APA, and the NWO in January of 2015. These were, what, seven guys who have long since retired, I mean, maybe not Billy Gunn, but have long since retired from in-ring competition. I mean, come on, Kevin Nash, JBL, I mean, JBL's been retired over ten years now. So it's those little things that just make you wonder. They really just make you wonder. So, I mean, those are three prime examples. And yeah, they've had their high spots with the bar and with the New Day and the Usos. The Hardys had their... Had their run before some injuries got in the way and different things. But, man, I really wish that some of the... And I'm really excited to see what these teams can do elsewhere. Now, obviously, FTR is in AEW, and they just turned heel as of last week. You know, spoilers for those who may have missed Tag Team Appreciation Night. But there was a segment with FTR, the Young Bucks, in the ring, celebrating with the Rock and Roll Express and, uh, you know, Tully Blanchard. And the Brain Busters. The Brain Busters, Tully Blanchard and Arn Anderson. You know, and it was really just, uh, it was cool and surreal to see such a transient another set of teams standing in the ring together. Um, but, you know, they turned heel by spike pile driving. Uh, I think it was, uh, it was one of the Rock and Roll Express guys. I don't remember which one. Um, and, uh, you know, because, and so it was pretty, uh, it's pretty interesting 
to see what's going to happen. I'm really excited for the inevitable feud they're going to have with the Young Bucks. That match is going to be a banger if they just let them do what they've been able to do. But AEW's tag team division, and Angela, you and I were talking about this uh, recently, where we were saying that they have so much depth to their tag team division, and they know how to utilize it. Now, obviously, with Hangman Adam Page and Kenny Omega as the current tag team champions, it's a makeshift team, so to speak. Yes, they have their history with the Elite and all the stuff in Japan. But all things considered, they were never really a team before this. And so they're here, and they're working together, and they're, you know, kind of have a couple of good matches. Oh, they get a tag title shot, and they win the titles. And they could have been one of those examples of a makeshift team that don't end up doing anything, but they did. You know? They've been a great team. They've put on fantastic matches. Their match with the Young Bucks at, Re at Revolution this year is one of my favorite tag team matches ever. You know, yeah, that was uh, that was a really uh, that was a really good one. Oh, and the emotion that those four guys you know put out in that match, it was yeah. just I mean, all the stuff was hard hitting. It was impactful. It was emotional. It was raw, and it's exactly what you want in any wrestling match, especially a tag match. You know, when you've got four of the best wrestlers in the in the world today in there. But um, what's it called? The other thing too is uh, the depth of the division and how good those guys can be. You've got, uh, you know, the Jur Jurassic Express and Best Friends and Santana and Ortiz. Uh, and the list goes on and on of the different teams in the NXT, or sorry, not the NXT, in the AEW locker room. You know? Like, it's just so good. So deep. And, you know, the Dark Order has two separate tag teams within it. Uno and Grayson, and then, you know, Silver and Reynolds. Just, you know, it continues, and it continues, and it continues. And, and SCU, you mean, you, you how you can overlook SCU, the natural nightmares. You know, all these teams that are so good. Ah, man, I, I love AEW's tag team division, and like I said, when you compare it to the WWE one, it's nowhere near as good. Uh, think about it, NXT. Uh, we were talking the other day, Angelo, this is like, what, one team in NXT? Outside of the current tag team champions, who could viably challenge? You know, not yes. not counting the Undisputed Era, you know, who've got their own things, but, you know. Yeah, like one or two teams outside of Imperium yeah. that are actually, like, solid and can actually hang in the tag division. Yeah, you've got Breezango, but they're off doing their own thing with uh, Legato Del Fantasma. And Legato Del Fantasma is currently other-occupied. So, who else is there to face Imperium, you know? You got Birch and Lorcan. Birch and Lorcan. One team that I can think of, and I might be missing yeah. some. I might, very well might be, but what what else can they, what, what they got to do something. What can you suggest that they can do? Either put a makeshift team that you think works, or bring a tag team from the main roster back down. That's Absolutely. the only, that's the only option that they have, and honestly... Um, I know, I know that he recently got a lot of backlash, but, uh, actually the whole team did because of him, but, uh, Jackson Riker and the Forgotten Sons, yeah. they're a pretty solid tag team. They could have, they could have probably kept them back in NXT a little longer and they could have probably been the tag champs now. They could have been in a good feud with Imperium, I think. I definitely think that they should have, uh, they shouldn't have come to the main roster when they did. That's number one. I mean, they, they, oh, Lord have mercy, I I can't even pinpoint one reason why you would bring them to the main roster. They are not that good. Uh, but uh, 
all things considered, yeah, NXT's got some work to do. All three WWE brands have some work to do because outside of the current tag team champions and maybe one or two other teams on each brand, there's genuinely not a lot of other teams that can win the titles right now. And so that's the sad part. Whereas in AEW, yes, Page and you know Hangman Page and uh, and and Kenny Omega have been champions for a while, but they, you know, there's not many. Uh, they they have been defending them weekly. They've been putting on great matches with every team in the division, and so they are making for a uh, fantastic division that's going to have depth that you're going to get to see every team get their time and eventually someone will unseat them and when they do that's going to be a big moment and so i think when you do the comparison of the two uh aew is definitely running away with this one. Oh yeah without a doubt i think they their their tag division is so so solid like you said it has so many uh layers and depth to it that it's Honestly, right now, it's untouchable. You know, uh, and I wish them the best in continuing that. They really have a lot of talent at their disposal, and I think that if they just if they just apply it the right way, they will ha- they will be fine. You know, I oh, don't, yeah. I don't see them making the same mistakes because of the fact that you know the the company has within them so many guys who ha- you know have experience with WWE's shortcomings that they can hopefully apply that positively, not negatively, positively, and make it better, you know, and give the alternative that you're providing that edge that you want in an alternative. Yeah, and not make the same mistakes that, like, WCW did. Like, because a lot of people are trying to compare it, but, you know, definitely, like, they're, they're definitely trying to do something different, which is good. Yeah, I absolutely think that, you know, Continuing to do something different and and just providing the alternative to the best way that they can is without a shadow of a doubt the only way that they can really, you know, differentiate themselves because, you know, otherwise you're always going to have those comparisons be drawn and we, you know, that's a topic that's going to be coming up for a later episode, but, um, you know, overall, I just think that if you, if you look at the, if you just look at each shows uh, tag division. AEW as an overall show. I mean, as Dynamite, yes, but, you know, they just got so many possible teams and combinations of matches that they can put forth that no matter what WWE does, unless they really try and revamp it in a new and, you know, un- untouched, unseen way, you know. And, and that's not to say that WWE didn't at one time care. I mean, you know, if you go back in time... You know, 20 years, tag team wrestling was actually a really big deal, you know? WWE was really big on their tag team wrestling. The the Dudleys, the Hardys, Edge and Christian, the APA, um, you know, the New Age Outlaws. Back in the, in the late 90s, early 2000s, it was, you know, the SmackDown 6 that competed for the tag team titles so frequently, you know, they really, they really made such great uh, television, you know? But, unfortunately, 20 years goes by and things change and it's never the same again. Yeah. <sighs> uh, it's, it's a shame. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we've kind of touched on a lot of different things. Um, been going at it for almost a half hour now. Actually, over a half hour. Um, anything else that we really want to add, you know, just about the overall landscape of tag team wrestling and, you know, where we can see it going from here? 
you know, we've kind of talked a lot about, you know, what's gone on in the recent years and, and the things we've not liked and the things that we can fix. We hope they can fix in the near future, but anything, any last thoughts? Well, how do you feel about like impacts tag division? Like with all of their, I don't, I don't want to say like makeshift teams, but I feel like some of them are not established. Yeah. Like so I'm not Austin, actually, uh, Austin and uh, Fulton. Yeah, I'm not as well versed in watching Impact. I really, I genuinely don't watch it. You know, I haven't watched it yet. Um, but I haven't watched it much, especially not in the last few, you know, few years. Um, but I know that they've got a lot of promising stuff. Ace Austin and Madman Fulton are a team that I think can win the tag team titles. I know that the Motor City Machine Guns being back is really a big thing for them. The North dominating the tag team division for a year. You know, Gallows and Anderson being there. Those are things that will help the division. And I think that if you use the knowledge that you have, especially from guys like the Guns and Gallows and Anderson who have been around the world, who have wrestled in other companies, who have seen so many good things over the last 10, 15, 20 years that they've been together, or however long it is, I, you know, I don't think it's been that long. But still, if they apply those things and, and use the positives, like I said about AEW, using the the positive things they've taken away and not just to be a way to bash and create issues and stuff. You know, that that's what I say. That's what I think should be done. And so I think that they've got a genuine chance if they just apply what they have properly and don't waste it and don't make it seem like, oh, yeah, we've got this talent, but we're not going to use it the way that they should. Yeah, exactly. That's a that's a great point for, for uh, Impact Wrestling. And what about you? Anything about their division that, that strikes you? I mean, it's it's great to see that the Motor City Machine Guns are back and like that they won the titles from the North. So I feel like personally, um, I was talking with a few of my other friends about it, and they were like, "Oh, you know, it's it, the Motor City Machine Guns shouldn't have won it. They should have put the North over because you know they're old, they're spent, you know, whatever." I just but I'm like, at the same time, you know, the North carried the division for like a year. Oh, yeah. So this kind of gives them a break. It, you know, could possibly create something new for um, for some like new teams that are coming in. And, you know, we still have people that are released and they, they haven't wound up anywhere yet. So maybe, you know, you get the Ascension and Impact and they could dethrone Motor City Machine Guns and win the tag titles, and there you go. You have another tag team who's going to be big and dominant, and they could carry the division for a while. You know, when it comes to the, that decision, I mean, I, I think that it was totally fine. Um, you know, it's 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 more of a, not even a shock value kind of thing, because that was the right call in my eyes. The yeah. guns coming back was a huge surprise. You capitalize on that moment, it's going to provide you great matches, a great story going forward. Who knows how long the guns are going to stay. They could be there for a couple weeks, a couple months, a year. I don't know. You know, you don't know what they're going to do. But you needed a, a genuine, you know, deep, deep, deep history team to take the titles off of a team like the North who spend a year as champions. You can't just have it be, all right, we're going to throw together Seth Rollins and Jason Jordan and they're going to win the tag team titles tonight and end the year-long reign. I'm going back to that because I still don't understand how that could even be possible i'll digress you know 
I think that it was totally fine, and I think that it's actually going to benefit them more because now you've got a veteran team in the position of being the tag champs, and these old, these younger guys can learn from them, can have some banger matches with them, and can really resurrect a tag team division that 10 years ago, 20, 15, 10, 15 years ago, was at its peak when you had America's Most Wanted and later Beer Money. You know, you had the, the Team 3Ds and, and, the, and the Motor City Machine Guns and even the Hardys when they came in and, and other teams... That for a couple of years, that division was really on fire. I mean, maybe not as much as the X Division was in TNA's heyday, but I think that it's got a lot of possibilities, and I think it was the right call, and I think it'll benefit them in the long run, especially with their younger talent that can now learn from the longtime veterans like Saban and Shelley, who have gotten up and down the roads and seen so many things, both in TNA and elsewhere in the wrestling world. So, uh, yeah, I want to guess what that's what I think when it comes to that, but. You know, they're t- they still got a lot of work to do in general to really be putting together a finished product to the rest of the world. You know, I still, I, I haven't checked them out. I know that they've been putting on some good stuff. I heard Slammiversary was a really good show. I did catch the highlights. And I'm excited to see what they can do, but until they really start putting it all together properly, I don't know if I'll be tuning in regularly. Not to say that I'm, there's anything wrong with the way that they're doing it right now. I just don't see me tuning in right now. And then... We'll see what happens, you know. I, I think that right now, in terms of tag team wrestling, AEW by far is dominating that landscape um, because they really are just giving you so much uh, variety in terms of the types of things their teams can do, the types of things that their you know the, the gimmicks their teams are portraying, and the matches that they can put on. All so unique and so different to each team, you know. A Jurassic Express match is not going to be the same as a Best Friends match. It's not going to be the same as a SCU match. It's not going to be the same as a Dark Order match. And that's what I really love about it. Whereas in WWE, they wrestle the WWE Formula match. And to me, that is a boring, plotting couple of moves. You know, deep arm drag, hip toss, clothesline, sleeper hold, you know, rest hold, rest hold, rest hold. Let's go for the, let's go home for the finish. You know? Anyway. Yeah, no, it's definitely it's definitely great to see a variety that impact uh not impact that all elite wrestling has to offer. Oh, it's it's, so. it's a very nice dynamic, you know, uh, that they provide, and that's what I love. That's what I'm enjoying, you know. Yeah, hopefully when uh when fans are allowed back in attendance, you know, then I think I think that's when everything's gonna be like much more appreciated. Because, like, you'll have the fans there, you'll have the pops during all the matches, especially the tag matches. Oh, that's something yeah. I feel like a lot of fans look forward to in AEW. Oh, yeah, and, you know, that's why I'm kind of bummed that, you know, with All Out coming, you're probably not going to be able to have fans, and that was going to be a really big opportunity for, like, you know, your match with FTR and the Young Bucks, which has been teased and, and, and hoped for for three, four years now. It's not going to be able to be done in front of fans, and uh, it's the unfortunate part of everything, so... We'll have to see good with the bad. I'm sure they're still going to put on a great match, and I'm not worried that it's going to be anything negative. But I'm just hoping that whatever it ends up being, it ends up being, you know, solid wrestling, stuff that I can sit there and watch and just be like, well, damn, that's great, and I want more of that, please. But, um, yeah, we'll see. I, I def- It's always a wait-and-see kind of a thing in wrestling, especially with tag team wrestling, because, you know, it, it's never going to be the same from one show to another. WWE especially, they could have, you know, the standard formula every single week and then out of all of a sudden you're going to have that one random match or that one random feud that's going to go, 
All right, here it is. It's back to what it was 20 years ago, and it's reminding you of, of the of the heyday of tag team wrestling when you could have great tag team matches with a with a, a story and a and uniqueness to every single one of them, you know. And you know that's where you catch the lightning in the bottle with the Usos and the New Day in this modern era because they are the rare exceptions to what you see as the prototypical formula for WWE's tag teams, you know. Kooky gimmick, babyface heel couple of minutes in the ring and you go through the motions that's how i always see it whereas aew it feels like anyone can genuinely win i I love watching the tag title matches lately especially with hangman and kenny they put on some banger matches and you know they really keep you invested because they make you think for you know for a good portion of it the other team might be able to win the title you know yeah they they have really great uh storytelling in their matches i mean they've defended i think in the last you know two months they probably defended the titles at least five times you know. Yeah, something something like that, five or six times. I mean, they defended the them. They defended them on both nights of the of uh, Fighter Fest. They defended them at Fight for the Fallen, I believe. Um, they just defended them this past week on on TV, and I know that they had another match. You know, and that's not the I mean, and in the pandemic era. I mean, ever since uh, Hangman was able to come back uh, from, you know, he missed the first few weeks of it. Um, Alright, not Hangman. I think they were, they were both there, but I don't think they were really working with the titles for a bit. Um, you know, I think it was it was just nice to see how many times those titles were on the line. Every single week, it was always something, and it's great. You know, that's what you want to see with tag team wrestling. You want to see those titles on the line. I love when they're defended every week. Like the TNT title, I think it's great. It's been giving us some good matches with some guys that you wouldn't expect. War uh, Horse, Eddie Kingston, Scorpio Sky... Now Brody Lee uh, on the special episode of Dynamite next week. You know, we'll see. Yeah, definitely something to look forward uh, to. Oh, yeah. So is there any any other closing things regarding the uh, state of tag team wrestling before we wrap things up? We're going at it for almost 45 minutes now. We don't want to we don't want to take too much of your time today. I think that's pretty much it. Alrighty, well, thank you all for listening. Angelo and I are very happy to be back. We'll hopefully be able to get onto that schedule that we want to get on and keep these coming and pumping them out. Uh, we got a special episode 10 coming your way. We will be fantasy booking the WWE Championship through WrestleMania of next year. We'll explain more of that at the beginning of our next video. Until then, as always, never be afraid to show that you're a fan and like, share, and subscribe. I've been Freddie. He's been Angelo. And we will see you next time. Take care, everybody.